Hello, and welcome to Anything But Traditional. I'm your host, Tamar Ben-Svi, and I'm so happy that you are here today to kickstart the interviews, starting with Adina Mark Capone, the definition of someone who perseveres, the epitome of resilience. She shows how to be a true role model when it comes to overcoming struggle, overcoming the unnatural. Her mother was murdered in the early 2000s, right after making Aliyah. She was so excited to live through that calendar year, live through many, many years of her life in Israel when her life was tragically cut short. But her mother paved the way. Her mother paved the way for her, for her family, an extended family. When this podcast was supposed to launch on October 22nd, I said, there's no way. I was supposed to launch with issues such as infertility, divorce, stillbirth, real intense topics, but not about Israel. I didn't even think about starting about Israel. But as somebody that has wanted to make Aliyah, as somebody that has lived and breathed Israel, the land of Israel, the state of Israel, since I'm five years old, I knew that I did not have a choice. I knew that we had to talk about Israel. We had to talk about the trials and triumphs, the atrocities, the hardships that Israel has had to come and persevere. A while ago, it dawned on me. Why do I love the state of Israel? Why do I love the land of Israel so much? What is it about Israel? Lights me up, makes me more heated than ever, has every bit of my love. What is it? And I realized life is about struggle and overcoming struggle. It's about going through hardship and overcoming the hardships. Israel is the definition of a place, of a people that have had to endure so much, but have never given up, never fallen into the trap of destruction. We have persevered. We will continue to persevere. With God's help, he will always persevere. In this episode, Adina Mark Capone sheds light on that. With her story, with her mother's amuna, with Adina's amuna. She shares the story of how her mother paved the road, even though they were supposed to live in Israel at the same time. And tragically, that did not happen. This is not a story of sadness. This is a story of someone that went through anything but a traditional adulthood, losing her mother tragically during the second intifada. But this is what anything but traditional is about. Perseverance, triumph, understanding that life often does not go our way. But what do we do about it? How do we face reality? How do we keep going, stand up, Keep moving forward. That is what Adina Mark Capone shows in this episode. Please have a listen.
Thank you, Adina Mark Capone, for coming on to the podcast. Adina runs A to Z events in Israel. Um, she is awesome. She's the mother of Jordan and Mark, my good friend, and uh, five other awesome kids. Um, and I'm really excited to be getting back into the studio. It's been uh, kind of hectic for me because um, with all of the stuff going on in Israel, I didn't know how to start the podcast you know, again. And I'm just beginning this podcast, but um, I am really appreciative of Adina for coming on, being our first guest on the podcast. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I didn't know I was the first. That's nice. Thank you. And good for you for getting back. You weren't supposed to be the first. I had done two interviews, but um, those are going to be on pause right now because I really don't want to talk about things other than the war and what's going on. And I just, I don't feel comfortable doing that um, for myself right now. So um, I really, you know, this is going to be probably the first, second interview um, that people are listening to. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. That's a big honor. Thank you. And uh, and I respect and appreciate the, the decisions that you're making and the directions that you're going in, because I think that's really um, very important for all of us to like listen to ourselves and do what feels right in our personal lives and also in our professional lives and also in our social media um, image, which isn't always who we really are. For sure. I don't think, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, this war will end quickly, speedily, and that many, everyone that can come home safely will come home safely. Um, it's hard to say that because I feel like so many people aren't going to be coming home safely. Um, and that's really sad um, and really devastating. But um, that's the hope. Um, and so, I, you know, I wanted to go back in time and talk about, um, you know, some this isn't Israel's first rodeo, right? This is one of the biggest wars in Israel. They are comparing it to the War of Independence, um, although it's 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 although it's like it's almost the exact you know like week fifty years later of the um, of the Yom Kippur War. But they're comparing it to the War of Independence, and it you know landed on the, the same time frame as as the Yom Kippur War, and they are comparing it a lot to the to the Yom Kippur War as well. In a lot of ways, it's it's a lot of ways it's similar and a lot of ways it's really different. You know, it's not Israel's first rodeo. Um, and so one of the things I'm trying to do is go back in history and talk about previous terrorist attacks, right? Because so many people can't talk about the events now. They can talk about the previous terrorist attacks, how that has affected them, what you know, what that, how that's changed them, um, the wars in the past. So I'm trying to go back in time um, a little bit and talk about that. Um, and Adina has a really fascinating story that, you know, I'm really um, interested in hearing and I'm sure many are. But uh, before we talk about that, I just wanted, you know, to go back to our, you know, basic questions and learn a little bit more about Adina. So Adina, where did you grow up and what was your family like? I grew up in New York. Um, I was the, I am the oldest. I have um, two brothers from from my parents for you know my mom's first marriage when my parents are married, and then I have a sister from my mother's second marriage. Um, she's quite a bit younger than us. Um, and I grew up in New York. I lived there my whole life. I lived mostly 
it started off in Staten Island and then most of my teenage and adult life and married life and raising my children for the time that we were there was in Long Island, was in the five towns of Long Island. Um, you know, pretty regular, normal, I guess, whatever you would consider a five towns life to be like. Um, I, um, my, my then husband and I, with uh, five children, we, we made Aliyah. Um, we had our sixth child here in Israel, our Sabra. Um, and we've been here since 2004. <laughs> um, when, I, when I came, my, my son, the baby was, um, wasn't even walking yet. And now he's uh, an IDF soldier and he's protecting us this very day, this very minute. Um, and then, like I said, my, my youngest, my baby was born here. Um, today I have three married children, um, a granddaughter from my oldest and, um, uh, my, my husband, my now husband has two daughters. So I have two bonus daughters. And so, so that's where I am from then and from today. And of course there's a lot in between. Uh, so I'll save it for, for sure. the questions. For sure. <laughs> so what was it like growing up in the five towns? Yeah. Anyone who knows the five towns knows it's, um, a wonderful, wonderful place to to live as a, as a modern Orthodox Jewish person. There's a lot of options there and um, a, a lot of just opportunities um, for raising your child with like kosher food and kosher stores and synagogues and youth and, you know, things for the youth and things for children and things for the adults. And it's a, there's a, the very wonderful things about that. It's a very comfortable, you know, life. So being so comfortable there, you know, what, what inspired you? What made you decide to make Aliyah? What made you decide to move to Israel? Yeah. So we were always very Zionistic and very supportive and loved Israel and, and loved to go a lot. We went a lot. Um, and in, in 2000, in August of 2000, so, well, actually way before August 2000, my mother started planning her Aliyah. My mother with her husband and my, and that little sister that I mentioned, um, they, they announced that they were going to be making Aliyah on the end of August. Um, we lived very close to them in walking distance. It was like my kid's second home. And she was like, my little sister was like more like their big sister. Cause she was closer in age to them. And, um, we had a really, really good, happy, comfortable life there with, with them living close by, but it was the right time for them for a lot of reasons in terms of how old my sister was. And, you know, she was like, was like before her bat mitzvah year or right after, sorry, she did her bat mitzvah there, there and before high school um, and financially and all those things that go into it. And so it was really hard for me to see her go, even though I was really happy for her to fulfill her dream and to, to start her life, but it was really And you followed in the footsteps? Well, um, so they moved and they came to a frat in the end of August. Um, we saw them over Sukkot. We saw them over Pesach. When I had, I had a baby that year in December. So when my baby was born, my mother came with my sister and we had like, you know, we were very happy for them. And my mother very, very much was like, you're, we're paving the way, you know, we're going to, we're going to, you know, learn the ways and we're going to live here a little bit and then it'll be easier for you to come. And then when you come, you know, we'll be here for you. And everybody wants that when they make Aliyah, everybody wants a landing, close family landing pad. Um, and uh, it was actually, you know, if anyone remembers in the, the years of 2000 to 2001, it was, uh, it was an intifada, a lot of shootings, a lot of violence, a lot of kid killings and a lot of death. And um, 
on the on Isru Chag Shavuot. On the, it was the second day of Shavuot in America where we were, and it was the Isru Chag here, no longer Shavuot. Um, my mother and her husband, with um, my brother who was visiting, one of my brothers was visiting, plus some, you know, like tramps, uh, hitchhikers that they had picked up. They gave them a ride um, from Ephrat where they lived to Jerusalem. And on the way to Jerusalem in the car, they were shot at by terrorists. And, um, and my mother was killed in that, in that attack. My brother was, was pretty badly wounded. Her husband was pretty badly. My brother was shot, wounded badly with, with bullets. My, her husband was badly wounded with like shrapnel and glass. And, you know, the car swerved out of control and, and that. Um, and one of the um, tramps, the people who they gave a ride to, was also killed. She was a 19-year-old girl, Batsherut. And so that that was the turning point for us. We we came here for the funeral here. We came to Israel for the funeral. We came to Israel for the Shiva. We were enveloped in warmth and love and 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 support and Zionism and and like Am Yisrael, who we didn't know them personally, but they were our, they became our family in so many ways. You know, that one week you see that today, like right, like all of Omni Sale is just coming together. Yeah. It was like something that you don't experience anywhere else. I mean, I don't wish on anyone to experience it under those circumstances, but it's not something in any way that, that, that I've ever experienced or heard or seen anyone experience outside of Israel. It's something very, very unique. And certainly it's 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 very unique and I was going to say the specialty, but like, especially of like Efrat, this beautiful community where my mother chose to live and, and where we sat Sheva and where we ultimately moved when we made Aliyah. So that was the trigger. We, we felt this major love and this major connection. And we felt important to follow my mother's um, ways. And we were inspired by her. So she made Aliyah in 2000. Yeah. in in August of 2000, and she was murdered in May of 2001. Wow, so she wasn't even living here a year. Correct. She didn't make it for a full year. She made it for the three, the, the Shalosh Regalim. And um, for just, and for the year of Shemitah, that was like very exciting for her. She was so excited to fulfill the mitzvot of Shemitah. She was so excited to be here for Rosh Hashanah and all the holidays, Hanukkah, Purim, everything. Like she got to like pretty much, and Shavuot, she got to pretty much experience a full circle. Um, except that uh but that was it that's all that she was able to get wow that is really a crazy story um and i'm so sorry that that happened to her to you um you can tell me if this is not appropriate for the podcast um but where is your stepfather your brother your sister yeah, like, sure. where are they now um her, her husband my stepfather he he lives in jerusalem um, you know, he has a good, good life. And now he has someone special in his life. Um, my sister ha um, has a partner and a baby and they live very close by and we see them all the time. And in fact, uh, she calls me, she calls me grandma. Um, you know, it's kind of like, seems obvious to her that I must be her grandma because that's, that's the role that I play for her. And I'm happy to do it. I'm really happy to do it. You know, no one could ever take the place of my mother as a safta. She was, she was amazing safta to my children. The older ones remember. 
the older ones do. Um, well, you said that you like lived in their house, like basically. Like, yeah, they were like, like their second, second home. home, and yeah, it was like a beautiful. It was a beautiful life, and they they definitely remember that. So, you know, I can never take her place, but I definitely use her as a role model and guide for being a good good grandma and uh, and a good mother. I hope and a good. I hope. But you said that they were wounded, right? Like they, they were severely wounded. So um, can you talk a little bit more about that and like what happened? Yeah. And- I mean, you know, like if you want like the whole story of the day. So it was early in the morning. They were actually traveling to, um, they were going to Jerusalem. They wanted to go to the hotel and, and to visit some friends. Um, and like I said, there was a lot of shootings on the road in those days. Um, people were very cautious. Some didn't even want to travel in their, in private cars in those days. Some people only would travel by by bus because the buses in this area are, I don't know if they're bulletproof, but they're, they were safer, or at least rock proof. Um, this particular, these terrorists uh, had a, had fake Israeli license plates. And so it looked and seemed and felt like um, a Jewish car. So they, they weren't that concerned. There were a lot of roads on the car that morning, again, because it was a day off here as being Isru Chag and on the way to, to Jerusalem. Um, so there were a lot of people on the road. And, uh, you know, that was, in, you know, in the end, we, we, we realized that that was a good thing because we had like a lot of um, witnesses and a lot of um, um, reports of like people told us everything that they saw before and during and after and a lot of people stopped a lot of people stopped to help uh, people were like amazing some of them were were first were paramedics first aid people really came to their to, to do everything that they could so when when the shots came through the window they were shot from behind and then then the car passed by them so they went through the back windshield and then on the driver's side window so my mother and and esther the other the girl who was killed they were shot from behind they were they were on the passenger side and the bullets went through the back shield win, window and, and shot them in the back and killed them. The other, uh, my brother who was injured was injured on, he was on behind the driver. So he had bullets in his uh, back shoulder, back of his shoulder and his arm. Um, actually the girl who was killed was sitting next to him to his right. And she wound up actually falling onto him, onto his lap. The time, you know, everything sort of like came together afterwards, but at the time he didn't understand, he thought she was ducking. He didn't realize that she was shot. Um, he didn't realize that he was shot. You know, he said, like, at first he didn't feel anything. It sounded sort of like um, pebbles on the on the roof of the car. It wasn't like the, that, like what you would maybe imagine, these, like, large, loud booms. He said it sounded like pebbles on the roof, on, a, like, the, the tin of the roof. And um, it didn't feel anything right away. Um, it was more like numb, like a numbing. And then he felt, like, wet. Um, so that, that, thank God, you know, he was, uh, he had a full, full, uh, thank God he had a full physical recovery, took time, took a lot of everything it took, but Baruch Hashem, Hashem, you know, gave him a full recovery. Um, her husband was sitting in, he was the driver. So a lot of glass and a lot of shrapnel, um, from what I understand, but a lot of glass, I know, was just like sprayed all over him. So he had like a lot of cuts and bruises and scratches and bleeding all over his, like all over the out the the, the skin that was showing, you know, like his arms and his face and it went a lot into his eyes and, and his face. So like he had like patches on his eyes for a long time. His eyesight was, and his eyesight is hearing. And I think like the whole ENT 
area of his of his head was permanently affected. He's okay. He's okay today, though. He's okay. Um, and uh, they the, the paramedics who were working on my mother realized they tried to save her um, at the scene and in in the ambulance, but they realized that there was no saving her at some point, and so they didn't even go to the hospital. Um, they just turned around and came back to to do whatever needed to be done, tell the family and make all those arrangements. Um, most of us were in, in America. We were, you know, in a different time zone and we were celebrating Shavuot. We were in our shul. There was an ice cream party for the kids. I had a lot of company coming over for lunch. So it was... Uh, and you got the call. We got a call. Uh, within minutes, everybody in the neighborhood had heard. Everybody came over. Every rabbi family of ours, friends of ours, press, we had press at the door. And like, to this day, we sort of like kind of joke around. And remember then there was no Facebook. If you were, you know, we're talking about 2001. There was no Facebook. And it was maybe the internet. Yeah, I think there was the internet, but there wasn't like social media or anything. So the fact that people knew so quickly and got there so quickly is... I always say that loss before social media was so different because in, in a very different way, my father passed away when I was eight in 2001 and um yeah like I always say like now we would have been like a GoFundMe page or you know like it would have been everywhere and like the internet because it was like even still it was all over but like it's just so funny like it's not funny but it's so interesting how things would have been different if it would have been now so um I'm really curious like what you know I know that the frat community really you know welcomed you with open arms and especially with everything that you were going through and went there, but were you ever nervous to move to a frat due to the tread? No. It wasn't a, it just wasn't an issue. It just wasn't a thing. We understood that it wasn't this moving to Tel Aviv and it wasn't moving to Renana and it wasn't moving to Haifa. We understood that it was moving to a place that had issues, but we felt connected. We felt safe. Um, and we felt like that's that was right for us even with those challenges we didn't consider it dangerous i know other people do but even till today i don't consider it dangerous i consider it you know we have a lot of challenges but um but it was never an issue for us no wow that's amazing that's amazing um okay so you know this is a lot of there's a lot here so i'm just gonna you know digest it a little bit more but you know in this podcast, we talk about before, after, during, after, you know, coming, you know, going through it, the process. And, you know, when you were younger, what were your expectations for the life that you were going to have one day? Like, what did you want your life to look like? And how did it change? You know, like you're, I feel like your life was probably not like living in a fraud and, you know, a fraud didn't even exist when you were 10 years old. Right. I, I have to say I was raised in a very Zionist family, very Zionist atmosphere, going way back to my grandparents who were, you know, in those days, in those days is different than today, right? People didn't travel back and forth to Israel all the time in those days. And they didn't make phone calls even to Israel in those days all the time. That was, you know, difficult and expensive. But for, for you know, relative to those days, they were very, very Zionistic in terms of donations and money and support, but also in the, just our lexicon around the house and the, the library and the artwork and the, the, what we were raised on was like, we love Israel, we support Israel, 
Um, we're proud of Israel. We want to be there. We want to go there. You know, it wasn't like a, it wasn't necessarily Aliyah talking. It really wasn't, but it was. But but I feel like it was just like in, this, in the atmosphere. Um, and that's like really going all the way back to my grandparents, which was very unique in those days. And they were they were really trailblazers in that sense. Were they Holocaust survivors? Like what did the- no, they were not Holocaust survivors. They were both Americans who really Zionists really loved Israel and supported Israel. And that, you know, that that trickled down or was, you know, also ingrained in, in my mother and, and her siblings and my and my father. And that's how we were raised. We were just always raised like, you know, even like I remember a little bit in my older years. We went to Jewish day school and, you know, on Yom mode, everybody wore a white shirt and, and a blue skirt. And then they gave out blue and white cookies. And it was probably like a, um, what do they call it when they brought you for like a ceremony in the auditorium, you know, and gave out flags and sang songs. That was probably about it. And that was also probably about it in general, like, you know what I'm saying? But in my house, so like she made like special, like holiday, Yom Ha'atzmaut dinner and hung flags around the house. And on Tu she made like a Tu Seder and did like a whole, you know, Tu like celebration. Nobody did that. I was saying like in those days as kids, we thought like, like our mom's so weird you know and like it was like like oh it was like fine and it was fun but it was just like a little embarrassing nobody else did it but like me and my brothers now when we look back today we were like yeah yeah she she meant it she meant it wow she really meant it so where do you think that the love came from for the state of israel and the land of israel my grandparents my grandparents i mean i just think that they great but where did their love come from like i don't know i never went back that far I give my 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 grandparents, my mother's parents, all the credit in the world for raising um, a house and being active members of the community, supporting Israel all the time, and and raising us that way. Um, you know, so me and and my family, we and and my other brother. I told you I had two brothers, so we immediately made Aliyah, like within the first couple of years after my mother's murder. But today, I have. I have to count now, but I'm going to have to do it really quickly. Like five or six or seven of my cousins, my first cousins, all of my mom's niece, many, many, most of my mom's, most of her nieces and nephews who loved her so much and were so close to her. And she was like, you know, their favorite crazy aunt, Sarah. And they were so inspired by her that most of them also made Aliyah and are today living in Israel and raising families in Israel. So, you know, she inspired not only us, but really a shevet. Wow. So, um, what, like, did, how did your life differ than what you thought it would be? Like, did you, so I would say that I probably didn't really think that I would ever really live in Israel. I don't think so. As I, especially like as a young kid, certainly not in my early years of married life, it occurred to us a little bit as, as I, I was married and raising children and, you know, there was like trinklings of people who made Aliyah. We heard about them. We knew them. We would visit them. So that there was like, look, maybe some seeds planted, but I would say that growing up as a child, I don't think that that was a dream or a thought that I had. It was more like, we love Israel. We go to the Israeli day parade, you know, stuff like that. And um, yeah. And, and that what's changed is that I, you know, out of tragedy came blessings and came beauty and came and, and, and inspiration. When my mother said to me, we're, we're paving the way, I know that's not what she meant, 
I know she meant that we would live there together and she would still be my children's second home and we would have this beautiful, idyllic life there together. But she did pave the way. She paved the way for me, my children. And, and like I said, like so much of our family and, and my cousins were very, very close. And like we grew up like siblings. And so like when I say that, like, you know, she inspired them and they, and they were inspired by her and close to her. Really, it's really a, a close, it's a beautiful family. Um, like it's a beautiful thing that 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 everybody that so many so many came and live here and, and are raising their families here and i and like when you say like what looked different it, it's it's so different but it's also so much better because as much as i know that the five towns is like i said a wonderful place for modern orthodox jews to live if they choose to live in america i'm so blessed to have given my children this gift and it came out of, like I said, again, it came out of tragedy, but it's such a blessing. I'm so blessed that I gave my children this gift and my grandchildren, God willing, there should be more of them. There's Hashem to be raised here, to, to be inspired here, to be affected and influenced for good and for bad, you know, growing up in a and, and in the gush, that's not an easy thing. Like you said, my children witnessed a lot of tragedies. My children witnessed a lot of hardships. My children know a lot of bereaved families, a lot. And they've been to a lot of funerals for bereaved um, victims because that's where we live and, and that's how they grew up. But I believe that it's part of the what made what makes us a beautiful family and what makes them a beautiful family, what makes us strong Zionists, good Jews, and connected. And I what can I tell you? I, I am so grateful to Hashem that, that we, that we made it here and that we're here despite the, the, tra the tragic circumstances. So I know that, you know, that I'm good friends with your daughter Um, your daughter is fantastic. Um, Jordana Mark. Um, and she, um, you know, I'm, she was telling me the other day that all this stuff, you know, even before I started this idea and whatever, and she was just telling me like, all the different people that you guys know that your family knows that has been affected since, you know, October 7th. Um, I know that your daughter was best friends with one of the hostages that were. No, but thank murdered. God, Baruch Hashem, she wasn't a hostage. She, she was, this is the lexicon that we use today. We're very blessed. She and her family and we we're blessed that she was not taken hostage and she was killed very, very quickly right away without any suffering or pain. But she was at the festival. She was killed at the festival. And then I also know that you have some, you said that you had sons in the army. Um, and yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm curious about what, you know, the, the situation now, what's going on now, um, how that's affecting you, what has been the craziest part, you know, the, like what happened on, you know, what was your October 7th like? If you can shed any light on yeah. any of this. It's pretty horrible. I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll I'll also refer to something that you said earlier, which is like that Israel's been through this before. Like we've been to this rodeo before. I have to say, I feel like this is different than anything I've ever experienced before. And I've lived here through a couple of, um, I would call them military operations. They weren't wars, but I would call them, I've, I've been through at least two military operations since I've lived here. Quite a few terror, waves of terror um, and terror attacks countrywide and in our local area. And I would have to say that this is different than anything that we've ever experienced before for the whole country in many ways. I also would say to connect it to the conversation before about my mom is that um, 
So not long after, and I'm going to like mix up the dates, but it wasn't so long after my mother was killed. Um, the Fogel family was massacred in their home. I don't know if the, the, your, your viewers or your, your listeners or you will remember, but there was a the Fogel family who, who terrorists broke into their home on Friday night. And then there was another, um, there was another family that was, they were from, I think I'm pretty sure they were Gush Katif residents. And there was a pregnant mother in the car with her five, four or five children. And they were all massacred. And what I was trying, was going to say is that like something happened, like something's like trigger or like moment in, in my brain. And I was like, my mother's there. She's taking care of those babies. She's there. She's like hugging them and she's giving them comfort. And like, I felt okay. Like, you know, the first, the first time I hear about these horrible, the horrible terror attacks and the horrible deaths throughout the years, you know, had a lot of post-trauma, physical, you know, symptoms that affected me and my body and, and certainly my heart racing and, and, and so many different things. And then that thought gave me some calming and some comfort. And I, and I really believe that. I really believe that my mother is, she's just like a, a mother. She's like the, such a, like epitome of, of, of maternal giving maternal. Yeah, kind of like Mama Rachel. Yeah. She was very. Mama Farah. She was very, she was just like, you know, very maternal and loving. Like I said, all the cousins and, and, and to all of us, like, and so I, I always felt like a little bit of a comfort knowing that it's okay. She's going to, when they get up there to Shamaim, like she's going to be there and she's going to be taking care of them and comforting them and hugging them. And that gave me a little bit of comfort. Um, what's happening since October 7th is just a disaster beyond, beyond words. If she is, and I'm sure she is trying to comfort and welcome every holy soul. She's really, really busy these days. And she probably has some other mothers up there with her doing, doing that work with her. Cause I, that's what I believe that they're doing. They're not only, you know, mothering us, they're, they're mothering whoever needs a mother. That's my connection with, with my tragedy to this, to this event. Other than that, it's really hard to make a connection to, for my mother's murder to this tragedy. It's, um, it's hard to make that connection. So separating, the, you know, from your mother, but separating, you know, just from you, you and your perspective of like, what you like, what happened on October 7th in your eyes? What was your day like on October 7th? So my day was, um, well, it was Shabbat, it was Simchat Torah, but I didn't have all the kids at home. My most recently married daughter, who had just returned from our honeymoon a few days earlier, they were in their apartment in Jerusalem. My next daughter, who's single, was with all of her friends in, in an apartment in Jerusalem. My son was technically home that Shabbat from the army, but he was out that night with friends. Um, so I had my little one home who's 17 and, um, I had my little one home who was 17. And then, and then I had kids who were supposed to come for lunch that day, like Jordana with her husband and my other daughter, they were going to come for lunch that day. And, um, my husband who's serving right now and he's served his entire life and he's a military man and he's very, very knowledgeable and spent his, most of his professional and private career of his life um, in 
anti-terror and defense of Israel. And um, he, he, he found out very, very early. He knew what was going on. He wasn't home with me that Shabbat. It's a long story, but like he had just like landed on Friday from a trip with his daughters. So he was by his parents in Tel Aviv. He woke me by phone at like 6.30 in the morning and I didn't know what day it was, you know? Like he woke me and it was so early. I didn't even remember that it was Shabbat. And he was like, you have to get up. Where's Moshe? That's my son. He was worried about him because he knows that he's a soldier and that he was out. So I basically spent most of the day, to answer your question, taking stock, rounding up everybody. Where are you? Where are you? Who are you with? Are you okay? Do you know what's happening? Do you know what's going on? I tried to get in touch with my brother, with his family, who live, my, my four nieces who live very close. And we were in walking distance and we spent almost every you know, Shabbat and, and holiday together. My sister who lives not far away. And I just spent most of the day taking inventory, checking in on everyone and actually, you know, crying a lot, seeing what was happening. And I, I remember like one of the most horrible videos that we all saw was like one of the first videos was that horrible video of the, the motorcycle. And they were like, taking that girl as hostage on the motorcycle. And I, and I, and the kids were like there and we were watching it. And I said, that's not, that's not really happening. Like I thought that it was, that, 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 that there was like some clip on the news of something happening somewhere else. I, I, I didn't believe that that was really it. And then when, like we say in Israel, Nafali Asimon, when like it's sunk in that what I'm seeing is this surreal, ridiculous movie nightmare. I just, cried all day. I couldn't stop crying all day. And I just wanted, I kept telling my kids, like, just come home. I want you to come home. I just wanted everybody home. I just wanted everybody to come back. I didn't want them in their apartment. I didn't want them in their apartment. I just wanted everybody here. Then we realized that that wasn't safe either. We didn't know where the terrorists were. We knew that there was infiltration, but at that point, no one knew where and how deep and to where it was going to be. And my husband and my son just told us all like, get your weapons, lock everything up and don't, don't go anywhere. And that was terrifying. It was terrifying. It was terrifying. So now you have a stepson and a, your husband. No, my husband has two daughters. I have, I have two bonus daughters. No, but I'm saying now you have, oh, so now you have your son and your husband in the army. And my son-in-law. And your son-in-law. And how has that been? Have you seen them at all? Have yeah. you been in touch with them? Yeah, we're in touch and we see them. Um, my son-in-law, the least. I'm not sure whatever he does is super important, I guess. And they don't have their phones and they don't have so much contact. But, um, and that's really hard for my daughter with the baby. Um, it's hard, but you know, we know that he's doing really important stuff. I'm able to be in touch with my husband. He's enough of, you know, his position in the army and where he is today. He, he doesn't, no one tells him what to do. <laughs> um, so I'm able to hear from him pretty regularly and he knows to check in, but not, much, not much information, just more like, love you, miss you, going to sleep, good night. I came home for a couple of visits. My son came home once for a visit and he's able to also, he's, he's able to check in. Thank God. You know? Yeah. Spend a lot of time checking in with everyone that we know that has someone in my, my closest friend, my family, my, my daughters, my other kids, everyone has someone very, very important to them and very close to them serving. And so we're just, spending a lot of time checking in with them, you know? Yeah, exactly. Not a day goes by without me, you know, messaging my sister whose husband is in my, you know, my friends whose son, husband, like you have to make sure to take care of yourself who is also a, you know, middle and 
wife and the an army wife and the army mother and it's not easy so um I really really appreciate you know you sharing all of this with us today um I just wanted to you know end off with um two you know more questions that I think would uh to wrap it up first of all do you have a message that you want to share with um the world in terms of a message during this time um, that may be inspirational or maybe motivating or maybe anything that you you know want to share um i could i could go through a a, a whole explanation of how i'm going to get to this but it's really am israel chai am israel chai am israel chai vekayam what have you seen that's like been the most, like what has been the biggest chesed that you've seen or what is something that you've benefited from personally that you've, you know, what has, yeah. I don't know. There's too, there's too much to, to specify. It's like saying which child do you love the most? You know, it's like, there's this yeah. insane amount of beautiful giving amount of chesed, amount of caring, amount of supporting to mothers, to wives, to children, to soldiers, to uh, the victims, the families. I, I I don't like it's. I'm I'm literally like it's hard to put into words, and and it would it wouldn't do any justice to try and put it into words. I you know what's my message? You know like the long explanation of how of of my message or the long journey of my message is we're so devastated we're so broken we're so we're we're so sad we're so scared we're so mad we're so disappointed we're so alone but we're so strong we're so amazing we're so resilient we're such survivors we're on Israel Chai and that's it. That's I just keep focusing on that. Everything else, like fits under that. I'm Israel Chai. We're never gonna. Uh, we're never gonna lose. Yeah. No, a thousand percent. So, so I guess one A before we get to the last question. But one A is what do you see as the future of Israel and Am Israel? Am Israel Chai. We're gonna live. We're gonna. We're not gonna survive. We're gonna thrive. We're gonna win. We're gonna be the victors. We're, we're, this is just, this is a, a, a terrible, sad, dark chapter in our history, but it's not the end of the story. It's not the last chapter We're we're, we're not, we're, we're, this is, this is a, this is a loss, a terrible, terrible, terrible loss, but it's not the end. Do you have a message for those people that are, don't live in Israel that like are experiencing all that anti-Semitism? And they're going through all of that. I'm really, I'm really scared for them. I'm really sad for them. I've never, ever, ever been the person like a lot of people are, including people in my own family and including colleagues and including my neighbors and a lot of people who are like, you Jews and Golas, you need to make Aliyah. Everyone needs to make Aliyah. Aliyah. Everyone's trying to convince everyone to make Aliyah. I don't do that. Don't. I'm not going to convince you. You want to, you want to. Come, we'll help you. We'll help you. We'll welcome you. It'll be great. It'll be hard. It's very, very hard. It's very, very hard. 
make Aliyah with the family, the children, financially, leaving things, leaving people, starting over. It's very hard. So I don't want to convince anyone to do anything. I never did. Um, with that being said, I, I when you ask me what's the future for Am Yisrael, I, 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 I worry for the, for the people who are not in Israel. Um, and I will say that it's their, it's in, not only their responsibility, but it's also in their best interest, in their own best interest, to, to, to stay with us. Stay, don't give up. Don't lose steam. We need you. We need your support. We need your love. We need your posts. We need your money. We need your donations. We need your volunteer work. We need your love. We need you and you need us. So I hope that that's, that they're not losing steam. I hope that they see that. I hope they believe that. I hope they realize it. And I, and I hope that it, that it will continue um, the way that it should. And then I guess the last question of it all is, do you have a quote or a pasuk that speaks to you, that keeps you, you know, in check, that you tell yourself um, that, you know, especially right now? I would say um, sometimes when I need like a mantra, I'll call it. Um, sometimes I, I like Hodu Hashem Kitov. Sometimes I like, and maybe this is actually really appropriate for wartime, but you know, in Kriyat Shema for before bed, when we say, um, that we're surrounded by God's angels and each one of them has a job and each one of them is protecting us. I sometimes use that as a protective mantra. That's nice for now. It's also, you know, I, I mean, one, you were saying it, obviously it's about Hashem and Hashem's angels, but I'm just thinking about all the people that, that are fighting for Israel that are named those names, you know, like we have all those, you know, names of people that are in the army that are fighting for us and fighting for Kleisel. And uh, we have to remember that, you know, not just Hashem's soldiers up there, but also Hashem's you know, soldiers down here, not just the malachim, but also the malachim on the ground. And I think that uh, that's a powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and there's another pasuk that we say when we talk sometimes about my about my mom and we put it on something, I think maybe a Torah or something, or maybe, I don't know if it was on the Torah, but, um, you know, in the Parsha where, where Sarah tells Avraham to get rid of Hagar and Yishmael. And she says, there, he's, not, he's bad for us. He's bad here. He's bad for our house. I mean, it's really like, you know, obviously she's not talking about those people. Obviously we're talking about like, you know, that nation. They're bad here. Get them out. They don't belong here. And what did Hashem say? Hashem said, And that was my mom. Do what Sarah says. She was right, my mother. She knew what she was saying. She knew what she what she was telling us by being Zionist, support Israel, love Israel, come to Israel, live in Israel, bring people to Israel, and um and be a good mom and 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 take care of everybody. So that's a lot. That that's that goes into my mind a lot. 
I also, I wanted to make sure that you get a moment to plug yourself. Um, I know that, you know, Parnassa is really hard right now for all of us in it is. Um, Israel. And um, I just wanted to, you know, I know that you are an A to Z um, events planner. Right. Um, you're right. That, what is your uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook? How can people find you? Right. So my company is A to Z Events Israel. And it's like whatever you do, like the brutal at A to Z Events Israel. Um, I, 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 I do mostly events for people who are coming to Israel um, to celebrate their weddings, their bar mitzvahs, their bat mitzvahs, like family reunions, trips, get togethers. I, I, I create like experiences for people who come here as well as their actual celebration of their event. I love making people a connection to Israel. I love bringing um, Parnassa and support and, and work and business and everything to Israel, giving Israel a good name. And then they go back home and they tell them we had the most beautiful flowers and we had the greatest DJ and the food was so good. And I love, I love, it's like, you know, it's like I'm doing PR for Israel and financially supporting them and making connections for people. And all of those things are, you know, like kind of bonuses to like, having a, you know, business that, that gives me a partner. So they're just like amazing bonuses that, that make me happy with what I do. So now we'll, 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 we'll wait patiently and, and hope that soon, very soon people will want to come back and very soon people are going to want to celebrate. I said to a client that I spoke to today who said like, we just can't imagine having a party. We just can't imagine celebrating. We want to cancel. And I said, but soon we're going to celebrate. Soon we're going to have a victory and we're going to celebrate that's what we are we are jews we move on we move forward we 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 overcome and we and we're victors so um it's not the time right now i agree with with people for for frivolous kinds of celebrations not the time for that now but we will have that one day soon again and i will be happy to help you with, you guys with it when you're ready and temporarily, what are you doing to, uh, you know, spend your days and make sure that, you know, you're not just, you know, yeah. scrolling all day? Well, I uh, well, I do a lot of that. I do a lot of scrolling. But um, I've been doing a lot of, like, I call it like shidduch work. I've been, like, making connections for people raising money and buying equipment and supplies for Army. I've been getting volunteers. I've been making matches for volunteers, for, for fundraising, for purchasing equipment, for purchasing supplies, for getting people to places where they need to go. Um, I've been doing my own volunteering um, with families of evacuate, the families who were evacuated and who are living in, living nowhere. You know, they're like living in, they don't have any, any, anything in nowhere. So I've been doing a lot of that. I'm working on a very, very new um, initiative, which I hope everyone will hear about very soon. Um, which is going to be long-term help for the for those evacuated families, um, and um, and like I said, I've, I've been spending a lot of time checking in on people who need checking in on. I feel like that's like it's very like time-consuming and it's like emotionally draining, but they they need it. I I'm happy to give it to them. You know, it's draining for me and taking care of my my crew. I got a lot going on. My daughter worried about her husband. My friend, my my kids worried about their friends. My husband's daughters were worried about their dad. And um, just doing everything that we need to do to stay together, be strong together, survive together, and to come out of this victorious together. So besides for following A to Z events Israel, is there a way that we can support you? Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> no, support all the people who are collecting money. Like you can, anyone who wants to like ask me for um, kind of, 
small projects that I'm working on, they definitely can feel free and, I, and I'll put them in touch and I'll make sure that it happens. But no one has to send me anything or do anything for me. Just, um, you know, support all every, every, every cause that's out there is important. Really. I, I did like a store, I'm doing like a, a world blog, so to speak on my social media. So anyone who's been following me knows that. And so one of the things that I, that I touched upon was that, you know, especially in Chutzlar, it's uh, like overseas, a lot of people are like, you know, idolizing like the special unit soldiers and the special unit and their weapons and God bless them. They are heroes and they are a special unit. But what I said is that everyone here is in a special unit. The women who are cooking for the soldiers, they're in a special unit. And the kids who are sitting at home because their mom is cooking for soldiers, they are in a special unit. And the people who are doing laundry for the Miluim wives who have no husband home for three weeks and they got four kids and piles of piles of laundry, they are in a special unit. And the people who are driving the Miluim Nikim to their base, they are in a special unit. And, and the people who are volunteering to entertain the kids of the evacuee families, they are in a special unit. We are all in a special unit. And those brave soldiers that we're all like, you know, like love to idolize, they can't do what they do without everybody else that I mentioned and what they do. They need us. We need them. We're in it together. We're in a special unit. I'm in a special unit. Yeah. Wow. So thank you, Adina, for sharing so much. I, uh, I'm really <laughs> excited to tell your daughter that you're incredible. Um, and just, I hope that everyone enjoyed this episode and I really learned so much from you. Um, your passion for, for Israel is in fact, infectious. I mean, I know for me, I probably don't need the, you know, infection because I already am very, uh, <laughs> pro Israel. We all need um, a little inspiration I... <laughs> in these days though. You know what I mean? Like we can all use it. A thousand percent. But, um, I'm really, in, you know, in awe of everything that you do, everything that you are. And, um, yeah, may we go back to having amazing weddings, bar mitzvah events. Amen, amen. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your encouragement. You're also inspiring to me. Um, I'm always like in awe of like my children who are adults and they have like adult friends and they're so impressive. I'm so impressed by you and and your and everything you do. And I I wish us all just um, I wish us all Amisrael Chai. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Anything But Traditional. Adina, Mark Capone, you were a true inspiration. You inspired me, and I'm sure you inspired all those listening. If you've listened this far, I'm sure that you've enjoyed this episode. So please make sure to leave a review, leave some feedback. And check out Tales of Tomorrow on Instagram to continue the conversation. I can't wait to hear from you there. Looking forward to next time. This has been Anything But Traditional.